Well, I think that's on. <laughs> I'm on. Let's back up. Okay, wherever I was at. Nonetheless, all the beautiful decorations that the ladies do, and Zane and I that move the ladders for the ladies. Um, uh, I was talking with Ernie the other day, Ernie Manning, and he said, you know, it's so beautiful up there. And he said, wouldn't that be just a beautiful setting for somebody to be baptized during this time? Folks, I want to tell you, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never been baptized, we want to encourage you to do that. God tells us that that's what we need to do. Jesus tells us that we must experience the new birth. And boy, what a wonderful time to be able to do that this time of the year. Amen? So you be thinking about that. And if that's something you want to know more about, please visit with me. We'd love to be able to do that. A lot of people don't like to do it when a lot of people are around. And uh, so we kind of mix that up a little bit. But um, whenever you choose, you let us know. We'll be glad to take care of that. God is good. Scripture there before us today, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people. And the church says? I'm going to say that again. You are a chosen people. All right. A royal priesthood. Not so that. A royal priesthood. See, you didn't know you were going to be able to preach some today. But there it is. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions. I just love that. That you, you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't that wonderful to know that God loved us so much that he calls us out of darkness into his wonderful light? And the church says, amen. amen and amen. A minister was working on his back deck at his house. It needed much repair, and he was pounding away, and he was trying to fix everything that he could. He looked up, and he noticed a little boy from the neighborhood standing by. The boy didn't say anything. He just stood there watching this preacher do his work. The preacher thought, wow, must be doing a pretty good job. He might be interested. The boy didn't say anything. So finally, he looked at the little boy, and he simply said, are you admiring my work, son, and trying to learn a little bit more about carpentry work? To which the little boy looked up and simply said, Oh, no, no, not at all. I'm just waiting to see what the preacher says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. I don't know what you guys are thinking about. Anyway, good morning. Okay, let's get on spiritual growth here. You know, oftentimes I think this is the way we are as Christians. We want spiritual growth in our life. We want spiritual renewal in our life because we know that's what God wants for us. If you ask an average Christian, and I don't know what an average Christian is, but if you ask a Christian, if do they want to grow spiritually, I think most people would say yes or amen. Amen? And yet, oftentimes, what I discover, and even in my own life, I don't really want to work at what it do, what it takes to, that it requires for me to actually grow spiritually. There's where the struggle comes in. It's not the desire to do it. It's actually to do it. It's to carry through with that, if you will, in our lives. You see, it doesn't take works to get into the kingdom of God. It's a free gift. And we're thankful, according to Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that. However, God has told us that now that we are in His kingdom, His great, big, wonderful kingdom, there is much work to be done. The question is, are we doing it? Again, not to get in or to even stay in, actually. That's not why we work. We work because we, our salvation is secure, knowing what God has delivered to us, 
and therefore we can't help but pour ourselves into the good works that God has planned for us to do. Give me an amen. amen. So in all of that, A.W. Tozer says, some people find life an empty dream because they put nothing into it. We all know that you have to put effort into things. If you want a degree, you've got to put effort into doing what is required to get that. If you want to be a good athlete, you've got to put the work in there. If you want to be a good child of God, you have to put the work in to receive what God says that we can receive. And it's important for us. So I guess maybe to start off today would be a good time maybe to ask a question as we're bringing this series of messages on spiritual growth to a kind of a close. We'll work a little bit in January, I'm thinking, and maybe start a new theme sometime early February. But nonetheless, in this process, what, what have you done to put into your spiritual life this year? Is that a fair question to ask? What have I done to actually deposit something into my life? spiritually speaking, so that I look back from this past year and I can say to myself, you know, I have grown spiritually. Not to brag, but to know that I've moved closer to what God would want me to be and what God would want me to do. I think it's a reminder to us. Stan mentioned about the phone reminding us every day. Maybe we need to put one of those on there. I thought that was just a wonderful idea. Maybe you need to put another one on there. What have I done today to reflect Christ in my life? And remind yourself once a day. Maybe it's just a reminder because sometimes we just get caught up. Even in the seasons we get caught up and sometimes we just fail to do that. I know I do and I'm the preacher. So busy about doing things that we forget to do the thing. You know what I'm saying? It's in our lives. In James chapter 2, it tells us that just confessing the word is in all of its, what it's about. Because he goes on to say there that faith without works is dead. There's something that's connected to that in our lives. So we need faith, and yet it is the action that follows that tells people around us that we actually have faith. It's the proof, of, it's the proof in the pudding. It's something that's taken out of the box. It's something that's mixed up. It's something that's given out in a way that the world sees, oh, you must be a child of God. And then you can say, oh, yes, I am a child of God. That Christ lives in, in us. It's the action. If it's not living in us, then we fade and we just become distant followers instead of these solid companions that God wants with us. God wants to be with us. God longs to travel with us on a daily basis, an hourly basis, a moment-by-moment -moment basis. And sometimes as Christians, we forget that because, again, we become and we find ourselves busy. So when we read God's Word and we study from God's Word, whether it's in a Bible class or your daily reading or something you pull up on the phone and read every day as a reminder or when it's the preacher, the pastor preaching, we, it is important for us to study God's Word. And when we study God's Word, it's not just to say, I've read a good book. It's to simply say, I've read something that matters. It's something that's living, it's, it's alive and effective. How has it affected me in my reading? And I'm called to obey it then, not to just say, well, that was pretty good. Good reading for today. Oh, I just love that verse. How have you applied that verse in your life? And applying those verses in our lives can reflect what it is that God would have us to do in our lives. Give me an amen. amen. Confessing that it's true and doing nothing about it is like ignoring a road sign. 
bridge out ahead, ignoring it and driving on as though it doesn't apply to you. You'll find out quickly that it does apply to you. Oftentimes, the things that we go, go through, and one of the things that Mike and Jeff were talking about in their class today was suffering. Now, God allows certain things in our lives for discipline, but oftentimes, the su- many of the sufferings that we go through in life is because we don't heed the warning signs that God has told us to. We just didn't read. We weren't paying attention. And before we knew it, we found ourselves in. We said, how did that happen? If you just kind of back up a little bit, you might discover that you haven't applied what God said works in our lives as Christians. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, but action comes when we follow the directions in which that what we have read. Faith demands a decision before it works, before it can ever work in your life. Faith demands a decision before you come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It demands a decision on your part. I can't do it for you. Mom and dad can't do it for you. You have to make a decision. Wherever you're at in life, something touches you, something moves you, and it it causes you to make a decision to be that follower of Jesus the Christ. This is why many people do not grow spiritually, I believe. They hear it and they speak it, but they don't apply it to their lives. Therefore, there's no spiritual growth. They look back from one year to the next, to the next, to the next, and they don't see anything in their life that is stronger as a a Christian. They attend less and less instead of more and more, craving more of what God would have for their lives, being with brothers and sisters in Christ, and longing to be in the presence of God as we worship together. You see, believing a treadmill will work for your good health, and it will, and even buying one might look good. But it does no good if you don't apply it. It doesn't do any good unless you work out on it. We have a couple of those machines at home. As you can tell, I probably don't use them much. Anybody buy one of those things and thought, wow, this is great. You get on it the first week and, man, you just burn the wheels off of that thing. Anybody out there? How many of you have seen at garage sales? Like, make an offer, right? Six easy payments, free, Right? It's because we roll them under our beds after a few weeks and say, man, that takes a lot of work. That's a lot of, man, another, another rerun to Friends is on. I'm more interested in that. And so we find ourselves. For us to get our faith right, we need to hear the Word of God, but also apply the Word of God. Christ Himself has said that we are not to be like people that say one thing and do something else because we all said we want to grow spiritually, but doing something else is what? It's called a hypocrite. Anybody like hypocrites? Anybody hypocritical? It applies to us all, even myself. In Matthew chapter 6, it tells us we're not even supposed to do it for show. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I'm doing. Look how much I'm growing. No, it should be showing for others to see. But it's not walking around as though we get a badge and simply say, I've moved from the reds to the yellows, and boy, I'm about to get a green belt or a black belt or whatever it is. No, because that's not right either. But in Matthew chapter 5, God does give us something there that we need to look at today, and that's where we're going to settle in for a few moments. It's talked about we are to be the salt of the earth, and we are to be the light of the world. Now, everybody that's been a Christian very long or raised in the church, you know this passage of Scripture. And you've heard people preach on it many, many times, and, and many much better than this. But nonetheless, let's take a look at that just a little bit this morning before we're dismissed to go to our lunches we are to be like two things he mentions here 
We're like to be like salt and light. And so salt comes into play first, and you are the salt of the earth, he says. Now, we all know what salt does, or for the most part, we know what it does. It flavors things, or it brings out the flavor of something. And so we know that that's what it does. But it also preserves things. It preserves things. Now, take that away, and what do you have? You have things that are of no flavor, no preservatives. So God has called us to be the salt of the world, and if we are to be the salt of the world, then the question is, are we putting out the flavor that God would have us to put out? Am I doing my part? I'm one little grain of salt, but I am one grain. How are we doing with that? How are you doing with that in our lives? Things that are not preserved rot. It's what they do. Do you think that that sounds like our world today? It does to me. Have to watch the news, but you can look around you and see that things eroding, things just seemingly rotting on the vine. It's a sad situation, but it's true. Then why is that the case? Is it their fault or our fault? If we're to be the salt of the world, then whose fault is it? Is it their fault or our fault? Are we flavoring the world with Jesus, or is the world flavoring us with the world? That's why we gather. That's why we have these times to come together and commune together, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to get out there one more week and fight the good fight. That's why we're here. We want that and we need that. Does our world need more saltiness in the world And the church says? It does. It truly does. Salt has a purpose. Take away its purpose. It has really what we would say no value. So perhaps what we have tried to do in our world is to take away the purpose of the salt and yet still keep the value. doesn't work that way. can't work that way. You grow spiritually to become more salty. So I could simply ask, are you saltier now than you were in January of this past year? Are you a little saltier than you were in June? How's your salt taste? Is it salty? You ever eat something that was too salty? What do you say? Pass the water. No, you say, what? This is real salty. This is too much salt. Did you ever have something and you said, what? Could you give me the salt, please? I need to salt it. Which one are you? The Christian can never become too salty. Never. So God has called us to be that in our lives. That's talking about spiritual growth in our lives, I should say. You might have a thing called salt substitute for our food to eat. But as a Christian, we cannot have a substitute, can we? Of course not. There's no such thing as a generic Christian. We might act like that sometimes, but we're not generic Christians. I'm the real thing. You're either for him or against him. You can't straddle the fence. You can't say, well, I'm kind of in on Sundays, and every once in a while on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, and Wendy's, when you, Wednesdays, and when you catch me on a good day, then I'm really in. But the other days, eh, not so much so. You're either salty or you're not. That's what we're to look at in our lives. You see, what he is saying here is the Christian without purposes of no value. Now, God has, you have value because God gave His one and only Son to purchase you. And now you have this great value. Now you live that out in your life. Satan could care less if he, we claim to know Jesus. He just doesn't want us to go outside of these doors and tell others that we know Jesus. 
I use maybe an illustration. Maybe this one will work. I don't know. I've tried this before. I just thought of it. I have this pen. This is called an ink pen. Of course, you know that. Well, there's two parts to this. There's the pen and there's the ink. Now, the pen really just does one thing. It houses the ink. It's what it does. That's what we are as Christians. We house something in us. The ink, if you will. When we receive Christ in our baptism in Acts 2.38, it talks about we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Romans that we read today in class, again, the Spirit lives within you. The Spirit of God lives within us. He is the ink. We are the pen. But what it is that we are to do, just as this ink pen can sign a signature and meaning something, an autograph of someone that's famous in that process, it has to get out of the pen and onto the paper. And God has told us that we have to take the spirit that lives within us and get it into the world around us so that they might glorify Him in all things. Give me an amen. That might help somebody. I don't know. Maybe it just helped me or whatever the case was there. But I think it's important for us to see that in our lives. In Acts chapter 4, we find out another story. Another story of some men that were doing exactly what God had called them to do. This is Peter and John. Now, Jesus has already descended or, or ascended to heaven. He has already, you know, he paid our price on the cross. He went to the grave. He rose on the third day. And now he's gone to heaven. Before he left, he told his disciples to go into all the world. And that's exactly what the disciples were doing. They were putting the ink out. And as they were doing that in their lives, the religious people didn't like it. So the religious, religious courts, if you will, they called them in and said, you can't talk about this guy. It's going against the grain of what we stand for. You see, they had a decision to make. They had a decision to follow God or follow man's way. So they decided to follow man's way. So look what they did. They get to, can you imagine this group of men? They're sitting around and they know the word of God. They know the word of God. They know that the Messiah was coming. They know what he had done. And now they see the evidence in other people. And they sit around in a little group and one said probably to the other, oh, I got an idea. Or one says, but here's the problem, guys. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows exactly, knows that they have done an outstanding miracle. It could have said that's enough. But one went on to say, and say what? They said, and we also, we cannot deny it. Meaning that they have seen the miracles that were happening. They've seen this in their, with their own eyes. Here's another decision moment. That's right. We're following as well. Nope, that's not right. So what are we going to do? One of the guys raised his hands and says, oh, but to stop this thing from spreading, notice what they're going to do any further among the people because they had the people in the palm of their hand. They could control them with the old law and all the other things. And so here, further among the people, he said, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Now catch that one. So they bring in, they bring in Peter and John before them. Go ahead with the next. They called them in, and again they commanded them not to speak or to teach all in the name, at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. We're so sorry. We're going to go home now, and thank you for not punishing us anymore, and we'll never say anything else again. No. 
They were courageous men. They, had, they were men that were touched by the hand of God and they knew what they had to do because God had called them to do it and they were now walking by faith and they had this ink in them that needed to get out. And so what did they tell the rulers? The rulers that could have put them in prison or sent them somewhere else, they said this to them, judge for yourselves. Now they were already judges. Judge for yourselves. They had already said that they had seen the evidence that this was true. Judge for yourselves whether this is, it is right for us in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. These gentlemen, if you read the rest of that story, they don't have anything else to say. Because they had seen it. And they had heard it. And they knew the truth. It's pretty amazing what happens. You see, these men didn't have a problem with these guys, these religious people didn't have a problem with these guys talking among themselves. They just didn't want them to salt or flavor the people around them. That's precisely how the devil treats us and feels about us, folks. I'm going to say something here at this point. And I want you to not take this the wrong way. Years and years ago, there was a thing in our schools called a prayer. And years and years ago, in our schools, there was a thing posted called the Ten Commandments. Now, we know that that's been removed for the most part in our schools. Some Somebody's saying, well, you're getting political, and I, listen, listen. If I had a vote, I would put it back. That's just me. But let me say this. I know we're to teach our children to pray and to know what God's Word says at home. That's our responsibility. I believe that with all my heart. What happens in all of this, though, it's just this little subtle thing. Satan moves at a very slow pace and creeps in. The question is, why? See if this is not true. The only ones that are called to be silent in the world is the Christian faith. Keep it in here. Keep it right here. The reason they want the Christian silent in the world is because God has called us to go into the world. That's why. The question becomes, who are we going to obey? It probably won't happen in my lifetime, and I pray it never happens in your lifetime. But they're not finished. Satan's not finished with the schools. He's coming after the church. If you don't believe that, all you got to do is read about Europe. It'll never happen here. Be cautious. God has called us to be the salt of the world, and today we need to be saltier than we've ever been, I believe, with all my heart. The second comparison here is the light of the world. The light of the world. How bright is your light, I would ask. Who is the light? Jesus is the light, but we are to be the light of the world, he says. He goes on to tell us. Listen to this from John chapter 1. This from, comes from a different translation here. But there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. 
That's Jesus the Christ. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And I love that particular setting or reading there because of a few things about becoming a witness. That's what we are. That's what we are to be, is a witness. We are to bear witness about the light, the light that we have found. Come, there's light here. This is what we're to be about as Christians. It's about to bear witness of the light. But if you haven't been around the light, how can you be a good witness is the question. Someone said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? They would say, how bright is your light? Would we be like Peter and John? Would we shine or would we cower? Makes a difference. Now, light also has a purpose, and it is to shine, or more importantly, it is to show the way to allow others away or allow them to get away from a thing called danger in their life. Making decisions in the dark can lead to some regrettable consequences. You see, when a person sins in life, when a person sins in life, and we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, we have two choices that moment when we sin. You can head for the dark, darkness. And the reason why we head for the darkness is, as Christians, we already know that God knows, don't we? Do we think we're somehow fooling God? When I sin and I find myself in a sin, I don't think I'm fooling God, but I'm sure I can think I can fool you. So what do I do? I just step into the darkness a little bit further. I'm thinking that I'm hiding but in the same point, I have a decision to make. And if I decide, I can step into the light. And if I step into the light, yes, it's seen. But in that midst of that, I can find the forgiveness that I long for. So I no longer have to hide. I don't have to hide anymore. So decisions in the dark can pay or make us to have some regrettable thoughts. Back in the day before electricity, this one, maybe you get this one then. Back in the day before of electricity was this, you know, tight-fisted farmer that had this work hand. And his work hand would take a, a coal oil lantern and he would go courting his girlfriend. And in that process, the old tight-fisted farmer said, Well, you know, back in my day, he said, when I went a courting, I didn't even take one of them their things. He said, I just went in the dark. To which the hired hand simply said, yeah, and look what you got. <laughs> Darkness. The purpose of light is to illuminate things. It's to bring it out so that we can see. The surgeon doesn't say, you never hear the surgeon say, turn off the lights. I don't want that surgeon. There's a difference there. Darkness even hides things, even the truth. And that's why we're called to take it into the world. Because the world doesn't know the truth. It's hidden from the world. So you and I are charged with taking the truth to the world, no longer hiding it, but displaying it in our lives. The purpose of the light we have been given is to bring attention to God, not to ourselves, but it's to bring attention to God. As you grow spiritually, your wattage goes up. 
And so if you wanted to look at it that way, you could simply say, I used to be a 25-watt bulb. Are you? Anybody a 75? What about 100? 120? Anybody a spotlight? The ones they use at the airports? I'm not there yet. Sometimes I feel like a 100-watt, and sometimes I feel like a 4-watt. Anybody with me? But what we're to do is to turn up our wattage. If the world gets uglier and uglier, we need to turn up our wattage. Why? So that the world might see that there's a place that they can come and find real truth. Not what the world says that is good for you, but what we know that will lead you or them to eternal life. A God that blesses His people with eternity. A loving God, a caring God. What we are about here at even Western Hills is for His glory, not ours. We do some wonderful things, but it's all about His good work in us that He prepared in advance for us to do. The light is the reflection that we give off. How are you doing with that? This salt creates a thirst. The light gives off this illumination. It illuminates things so people can see. The salt gives off this, this whatever it is that causes a thirst in people. So when they come to the light and they get a little taste of the salt, it wets their lips, they want a little drink from the living water, the living stream. Jesus himself. Christians light up the world with grace that God has given us. Has God given you grace? Give me an amen. Has he extended grace to you in your life? Give me an amen. Then we are to extend that to the world, but to tell the world it doesn't come from us. It comes through Christ in him alone. Give me an amen. It's important. Ephesians chapter 5. For you were once darkness. That's what we were. You were once darkness. But notice that. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. That's our charge. is to light up the world around us. We are to shine. Does the moon stop shining ever? No. The sun comes up. The sun's out. And the sun in us that comes up and should be in us brightens the world around us so that they might see what it is that they have been missing. Listen to this. I love this verse right here. I think Billy quoted this one the other day in a Bible class. 1 John 1. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all unrighteousness or, or sin here. Isn't that good news? Give me an amen. This is so good for us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, notice what it does now. It connects that with our fellowship with one another. Here's the deal. Sometimes Christian people rub me the wrong way. Anybody besides me? Nobody? Oh, okay, we got a few. A few honest people. The rest of you, you just come on up. We'll rub you a little bit, all right? But in that process, if I walk in the light, even in our differences, even in our differences, or even in our sin that we might commit, God says, I will purify you of that if you stay in the light. Isn't that good? To know that God has us covered. He has you covered if you stay in the light. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, it is important for us to do so. Almost finished, Matthew 5. We'll go back to it once again. This is from the Living Bible Translation, and I liked it, so here it is. You are the world's light, a city on a hill, 
glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see. Why? So that they will praise your heavenly Father. May we keep in mind that God did not need us to make Him complete. But we certainly need God to make us complete. Shining for Him should always be the top priority of the believer. Always. Again, maybe that reminder, Stan, every day. Remind me of Jesus. Diamonds sparkle under the right light. Christians should always sparkle because He is the light in our life. Do you have that light of God in you? And, and, and folks, I want you to... If, if, Please listen. I know we're going to do this. This is the invitation time. Do you have the light of God in you? Is it stronger than it's ever been or is it little dim? Or have you never turned it on in your life? Our prayer for you today is if you've never turned that on, all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins. Turn from that. Give your life to Christ. Experience a new birth, he says, so that you too can be filled, filled with his goodness, with his spirit in your life. Or perhaps today, you, that wattage you just feel is not where it needs to be, or this week has not been a good week, this month, maybe this year hasn't been a good year, and for some of you in this room, I, understand, I, I know some of the things you've been through, and it's been way too much. Don't let your light go out. Don't let your light go out. Step into the light. Be recharged in your spirit. Rededicate yourself to the Lord in a powerful way and see what He does for you as we become the salt of the earth and the light of the world for His glory. God is good. Any prayer needs or anything today, accepting Christ or just to turn up the light or the wattage, come together as we stand and sing. Come now.